Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. Join me as we take a look into the darker side of success. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. Uh, today I'm here with Andrew McCorkle and Mike Corkrum. Did I get that right? Yep, you did. Perfect. Uh, and these are the Cork Bros. So do you want to get, uh, give yourself a little bit of an intro um, to tell them a little bit about what make you makes you guys such a good team and so special? Definitely, yeah. So we're the Cork Bros. We're a digital marketing agency down here in Atlanta, Georgia, mm -hmm. specifically focused on the Atlanta market. So whether you're a local business or a national brand, hitting the Southeast region, getting your message or brand across to all the consumers over here. Absolutely. How long have you guys been uh, do doing that for? Um, we started our business in 2018, January, and we really started doing the digital marketing and content creation about May of last year. So just over, man, coming up on yeah. three years of business and a year and a half of the content creation. Yep. Very cool. And and I know that you guys started off very differently from, you know, being a, more of a social media and photography and videography company. Do you want to uh, give us a little bit of your, the start of your journey and how you guys got started doing this? Definitely. Yeah. So, um, so we started off as restaurant consultants over here in Atlanta and we, we did that for about a year, found absolutely no success. The only thing that, um, had any potential for success was the owners would invite us in when we'd offer them a free food photo shoot. So we realized, you know, let's pivot towards that and try to make money with that. So we did that for about three, four months once we figured that out. And then we're like, Hey, wait, they're still not paying us for photo shoots. That's because our photos weren't that great at the time. Um, but maybe if we go into videos and digital marketing, then we could actually bring them some value that will then open their pocketbooks. And then that May of last year, yeah. like Andrew was saying, we did yeah. a we did a video and a digital ad campaign for a Mexican restaurant for Cinco de Mayo. Absolutely blew up. Might have been beginner's luck, but you know, <laughs> really validated what we were doing. And we're full speed since then. Awesome. And I know you guys, uh, I don't think either of you, correct me if I'm wrong, had any experience in what you're doing uh, prior, I, or at least certainly in the social media and photography side. I know you probably had some industry experience with, uh, you know, the restaurant and food industry, but you want to let us uh, into kind of your thought process as you decided to pivot. Because um, you were saying, you know, people weren't giving you the time of day when it came to the business you were trying to promote, you know, the consulting business. What made you, what made that click where you could do something different and how did you approach starting from nowhere? Definitely. Yeah. So my background is in the restaurant industry, um, managing, opening up restaurants, um, different things like that for over 10 years. And I actually didn't have any social media for four years leading up to the business except Facebook. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, so I really had to learn everything from the ground up. You know, I, I remember when I first, we first started blowing up our, or trying to grow our social medias. My account was on private and I'm trying to use hashtags to grow my following. And um, if you don't know, if you're doing hashtags, 
the girl you're following on a private account it's not doing anything at all yeah that might not be the best uh, uh method so yeah. you not only had to learn how to use it for a business you just had to use it learn how to use it in general yeah exactly so um we really saw a need for the smaller businesses to compete with the larger businesses so like your local restaurants competing with uh oh charlie's or these bigger restaurant chains, Chili's, Applebee's. And then we realized that social media was the best tool to do that because there was a huge pivot about three, four years ago where you could actually use social media as a tool to grow your business. So that's what my kind of part of the business is, is the social media and Mike can talk about the content creation. Cool. So you handle posting everything and, and Mike uh, handles actually creating the, the content that goes in the posts? So I do all of the posting for our personal and for some of our clients as well. Mm -hmm. um, and um, kind of the strategy behind it, replying to comments, reaching out, doing research. Yeah, doing research, different things like that. So that's really like how I kind of impact the business. Cool. And then what do you do, Mike? Yeah, so I'm uh, the content creation. So a lot of the photography, videography, um, kind of, I guess, like the creative design for like, you know, just um, conceptualizing the different shots or the videos that we're going to be doing with the clients, things cool. like that. Kind of like the fun, sparkly stuff, the the more interesting. If I had to pick, I definitely go with Mike's job because yeah. it seems like less of a pain in the ass <laughs> and you get more credit maybe, but who yeah. knows? Huh? Um, so that's cool. And so when you first started, you Mike, you didn't know anything about photography, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't know a damn thing about photography. <laughs> I, I, um, my mom had this DSLR camera from 2011 and that's what I was like, Oh wait, we can use this fancy camera for our shoots. So then I brought it to a shoot once and I'm trying to take photos with it. I don't know how to dial in any settings. I'm shooting on auto and it just <laughs> looks like crap. And then com especially compared to your phone, yeah. um, it just, it, it didn't even make sense why I would struggle with this camera as opposed to just like point and click with my phone. So there's a there's about like three months where we like would have the camera at the shoots, but we're just shooting with our phones. Um, and we'd have the cameras kind of like so people thought we were legit. Um, but we were like, you know, giving them phone videos and phone photos after that. And then um That's there awesome. got to a certain point once we um really started making money with the with the photography and videography, we're just like, yo, let's actually figure this out because that's when I started doing research, learning um, from other photographers, whether it was on YouTube or in person and stuff and seeing like the level that they were at. And we were like way below that. And you couldn't reach that with just a phone. So I was like, yeah. I got to figure out these actual cameras. I really, I really like that because one of my uh, sayings on this podcast is that instead of fake it till you make it, it's fail it till you nail it. So yeah. to keep fucking it up basically until you figure out the way to do it right. Yeah. And I think you are kind of showing right there where you can only fake it for so long before you got to really start trying uh, to learn the thing um, yeah. unless you're incredibly lucky or charismatic or whatever that is, but uh, you can only do that so, so far. So what did you decide to do in order to improve those skills and to learn how to do more professional photography? Yeah. I mean, on, on the, on the, on your previous point though, sure, about for it. Fake faking it till you make it and, and failing. I think one big thing is like, is just, is just fear. We're so scared to fail. We think the world's going to end if we fail, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, if we fail a project, 
that client's going to tell everybody and no one in Atlanta is going to want to work with us ever again. You know, like sometimes, you know, maybe I don't have that developed thought process, but like, you're still scared to like mess up this one client when, you know, it's really not that big of a deal most of the time. But, um, And, and if you never do it, I mean, what's worse failing at something and trying or never having done it in the first place. Exactly. And most, people, most people do nothing instead of yeah. something in between. So it's usually, yeah, something that scares them away. But I, I like to view fear as fuel, so mm-hmm. to speak, and to like say that I'm going in the right direction and to, and to embrace some of those feelings, even though it sucks, obviously. <laughs> at yeah. The time. Yeah. You know, one thing Andrew and I tell ourselves or tell each other is that if we're creating goals during our like strategy sessions and we know how to achieve them, and we aren't thinking big enough. Yeah. Like there's been so many times we've created goals where we might not have said it, but both of us are like, I don't know how we're going to do that. Yeah. And then somehow it, it works. We get, we yeah. get across that finish line at, at some point in time. Have you guys ever heard of uh, the 10X rule? It's a book by uh, Grant Cardone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause the mentality there is, is similar where you take whatever you think your, your ideal goal would be and you multiply it by 10 to really shoot for something that would make you think in a higher realm and a higher way of problem solving that even if you miss that and hit get 10% or whatever of what you planned, you're still where you would have been if you didn't shoot for something higher. So I think uh, you're right. It's important to stretch a lot of those goals to something that seems ludicrous in order for us to start thinking of how could you achieve something like that? Cause companies do, you know, all the time. Yeah. And, yeah. and also with that 10 X thing, I think that's a great point for pricing too. Cause we know, so many people, when they're creating their own business, especially a service, they don't know how to price it. Yeah. And figure out a price. You know, you get like a friend or family to pay you, someone to pay. You know, you're like, all right, I if I sold this for two days, someone will buy it. And then 10x that. And then <laughs> yeah. go and try to sell it for that. Maybe you might have to add certain things to make it, you know, more valuable. Yeah. But like what we noticed is like when we first started doing photography and videography, our prices were so low. And Mm -hmm. it turned people off. They're like, these guys can't be good if they're doing it for that. Then when we raise our prices 10x, 15x what they started at, then people are like, oh, wait. These guys know what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, they're the premium option. Okay, if I can get enough money to pay them, I need to go and pay them. Yeah, and I think a lot of things that people struggle with, uh, myself included, when it comes to charging people a lot, is that before you tell them how much the price is, you should really lead with all the value that you're going to bring to the table. Cause once, once you start with that, then the price doesn't seem so big. If you start with the price, that's really all they're going to focus on. So if you can kind of build into your, you know, sales presentation or whatever, the ability to bring up that value and, and show that to them, put them in that future state where they're already working with you and feeling that then the price won't seem as big as if you like hadn't done that. But I agree. It's a lot of times it's hard because, you know, a lot of times we'll think with our own wallets and like what we would pay for something when you're not selling to yourself, you're selling to someone with money, usually, hopefully. Yeah. And the thing <laughs> and is, you, you know, behind the scenes, you're like, oh, this maybe will take me three hours to do. But then, so you're like, oh, can I charge like X amount per hour for this? But the thing is, then you're also bringing all your expertise, maybe gear, mm-hmm. yeah. whatever, all this like years of experience or however long you've been doing it to the table. And yeah that's valuable in and of itself too. So it's not just, you know, if you're just like, Oh, I don't think I would pay this for this. Cause I know what goes behind the scenes. That's not yeah. realistic. And, and part of it's valuing, like you said, your experience and everything that went into it. I, I heard a story once uh, about Pablo Picasso and I have no idea if it's true or even if I heard it or dreamt it, but we'll just pretend it is. So <laughs> I heard that he drew a painting or not 
he drew a drawing on a napkin, like when he was at a restaurant and someone noticed who he was. And, and as he went to go throw it away, um, she asked if she could have it. And he said it would cost her $10,000. She's like, what? I don't, I don't get it. Cause it took you like two seconds to do it. And he's like, no, it took me like 50 years to do that. Yeah. You know? So bringing that value and having that worth in yourself and knowing what you're worth uh, a lot of times and that confidence that comes along with it can bring a lot of that legitimacy that you need in order to convince someone to pay that much money, you know? So then you guys started doing this and it was mostly with doing, I think, uh, primarily breweries and restaurants and things like that. Is that primarily what you focus on? Yeah. Breweries, restaurants, and then like beverage brands. So like, um, just water, body armor, angry orchard brands like that. Cool. And how did you get so good? So, I mean, cause I, I know you went from zero to 60 real quick, but when I go look at your pictures and I've, I knew more than you did before you started for sure. Uh, you definitely surpassed me probably almost instantaneously, but, uh, how did you, how'd you get so good? Um, so quick and, and they look like they're uh, no offense, professional <laughs> photographs that like a big company would pay a lot of money for. Yeah. Appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the thing is just, it's amazing how much you can learn if you put in multiple hours a day for whether it's six months, 12 months, 18, especially once you start getting to like the 18 month period mm-hmm. and on, and you're putting in multiple hours, like five days a week, every week. Um, like we have, like humans just have such a capacity to learn and yeah. like our abilities and we underestimate ourselves so much. So I, th- I think the biggest thing is just, Andrew and I have been so consistent. Like we've never not been like trying to further our skills and it takes different forms. Like sometimes we're like legit just studying, like whether it's watching a YouTube video, whether it's Mm -hmm. watching, you know, an online course or talking to someone who's, you know, been in the industry or whether it's just going out and doing it, whether it's, you know, like we were just talking about this last week. We're like, you know, we don't stop thinking about the business. Like yeah. sometimes I'm there thinking about different shots. I'll be thinking yeah. about a video we created three months ago. I'm like, man, if I had actually done this type of angle in the shot, that would have been great in the middle part of the video. Yeah. And then same thing with Andrew with what he does. So I think just this, our, us just being constantly devoted to it yeah. for over 18 months now has just allowed us to get to a level where like, we look back and we're like, yo, it's crazy. We started here and now we can do stuff like this. Yeah. yeah. There's, um, there's actually a book I mentioned last week and it's actually the same author. So I'm going to keep it short, but um, it's called be obsessed or be averaged mm-hmm. or be average. And it's exactly what you're saying, which is like, you need to really be obsessed with something in order to a, not only be good enough with it, but to do creative and new things that push, you know, some of the boundaries. Cause a lot of times, People just want to do, you know, take the easy shortcut and maybe get a few tips from a YouTube video, maybe watch 10 to 15 minutes total of photography and then yeah. think one, and then pretend the, they know it one all. One of the biggest things we do too is we like learn the skill as opposed to just try and get the next like newest piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. So we started off on a 2011 Nikon camera and that forced us to get really creative with angles, lighting, and different things like that. If we we always say if we would have started off with the top of the line camera, we would have just thought we were these great photographers and just kind of plateaued. But we learn with what we have, reinvest. Learn with what we have, reinvest. And everything um, that we own now, we have um, the Sony A7 III, three different lenses. Got um, 
DJ, the latest Mavic drone, and then um, four cool. different lighting kits. So like we've always just reinvested, but mm-hmm. we learned, like we didn't count on the equipment. We counted more yeah. on our skills. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, I want to get in photography. So I need to get the best camera available. Yeah. And or it can feel like you're making progress when you're buying stuff, even though you yeah. didn't do anything. No, exactly. Um, and and uh, so just to let the listeners know, we did attempt to do this podcast a couple of weeks ago. So I'm going to mention something we talked about last time. But uh, Mike, I think when we were talking about your the the parts about photography that surprised you the most, it was probably similar to me, uh, lighting and how important lighting is. Do you want to just give the listeners a little bit of insight as to just how important that is? Oh, yeah. So when you mentioned like the the photos we put out, look, you know, like pro professional, something big companies would do. Or I'd think someone who did it had a lot more experience. Yeah, you know, ex- exactly. Yeah. Um, you get that look, you get that feel from lighting because f- art, photography, all those different things are all about control. And so even movie sets, like if you think about movie sets, if they're doing an outdoor shot, you're like, you think, oh, they're just like trying to turn the person's body to the sun. No, like they'll, that tight will be, that shot will be tight, like right over their head for those tight shots. They're going to have a huge um, soft box blocking the sun and make it turn it into soft light. They're going to have something cutting off um, and making shadow on the other side of their face. There's so much that goes into it and so much control. And that's what lighting gives you in photography. Um, I mean, it was so surprising when I first got into it because now, like if you're shooting a bottle, like let's say this body armor right here, you can have like right now, I'm not controlling any light. So everything's just flat lit up, but you can add depth. You can add dimension. You can bring attention to different parts. And um, there's a lot of different things that your eye does or that your eye notices once you start incorporating um, really controlled lighting in it. So I was blown away by how great photos could look once you started controlling the lighting and adding your lighting and just being really intentional about that instead of just saying, hey, all right, I think this room is lit well or we're outside, so it's really bright, you know? Yeah, it's interesting what you said about the movie thing because I think uh, one time I was an extra on a movie and I would think just like you that if it's sunny out, like that's great. You don't really need lights or whatever, you're good. But it probably makes it a lot harder because you got to battle with this giant fireball in the sky that uh that won't come you know do anything for you so uh it's interesting and i know when i've recorded the few videos that i have usually i'm so i teach uh microsoft excel online but most of it's um screen recordings so i'm not having to do any lighting because it's obviously just in excel but when i've when i started doing some like actual videos i was just blown away by how much uh extra lighting you need how bright it is just how insane it looks from a normal human perspective, if you're not yeah. looking through a camera. So uh, that's always really surprising. And a lot of people probably mess up that part the most because it's just so counterintuitive, you know, at yeah. least how much you need. No, it's true. I'd say anybody getting into photography or want to take their photography slash videography to the next level, definitely figure out your framing, figure out your compositions and stuff. That's, you know, fundamentals. But then once you feel very comfortable, once you know the types of shots you really love to get, Start thinking about lighting. We started out with a was it thirty or twenty dollar Home Depot light. We bought oh, like a man. big oh, like man. Work light. Yeah. No, this is what happens. This guy's like, I'll take the photos. You risk your life. So I put a piece of cloth over the Home Depot light, and so it, it. it would be very normal 
for it to catch on fire yeah. during the shoot. And Mike, Mike was like, all right, you're good, you're good. After I'm staying there it's for like smoking. an hour. It's, we had burned holes through. We had so many pieces of cloth. Yeah. Did was, you just say you, it's a fog machine or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But yeah. but, yeah, I mean, that's not that's not great lighting. Um, But it's better than nothing. And that mm-hmm. got us through, I think, like six months. Yeah, I I bought the same things. Those little work light ones, the bench yep. workbench type things. Yeah, it's uh, I bought. I I'm on the, I I theoretically agree with you to not buy too much, but I love buying stuff, so it's easy for me to just get a bunch of different kind of lights just to see what happens and see what <laughs> what works. But it definitely didn't. It, the The best way to to get better is certainly not buying things, but it's doing more. So just creating yeah. more, whether it's for the garbage can or for someone that's going to use it like just the more you do uh the more you kind of learn there and i'm curious like is there a specific photo shoot or video shoot that stands out as being the worst one that you had where you guys messed up a lot i mean for the failure guy i ideology i'm trying to get to some of the lower points of maybe when you guys started out oslig the one where the nikon died on us man i got one and mike's got one yeah i got one and mike's got one so yeah, it hasn't been smooth sailing, guys. <laughs> yeah, er, early on, um, we had a huge opportunity. We, because how we build our portfolios, we just did complimentary shoots so we could build our portfolio, and we did for we free. You mean right? Build our uh, client base, things like yeah. that. And so we got very lucky, and the Vortex, one of the biggest, like iconic burger brands in atlanta yeah like iconic burger brands top of the line agreed Mm -hmm. to do a shoot with us okay and so we're like let's go to home depot and get some props for this shoot so for burgers fries just kind of like your normal bar greasy food just messy you know yeah we decided to go get two marble slabs that had that we like put together that, that maybe you would photograph it, a wedding cake on. yeah yeah it was, it, so to put like these burgers tired. on is that what you're saying to put the burgers on yeah yeah nice and uh and you just bought them from the store is that or from the yeah. restaurant we, yeah we bought them from home depot they were in the tile section like i meant the like food tiles. would be from them because i know in food sometimes they do the fake food where they like yeah no we, we got the version. real food we <laughs> went into the restaurant they cooked it up for us nice so we did that and uh, we completely bombed it. Have never trash. seen, none of those photos <laughs> have seen the light of day. Um, needless to say, they never contacted us again <laughs> to do a photo shoot. Yeah. And so it was like, we were so excited. Like this is a huge opportunity. We're growing, we're growing and we flopped. Yeah. And usually like back in the day, we were kind of naive and we're like, oh, this is kind of good. Yeah. We left that and we're like, this is complete shit. Yeah. I'm ashamed that we just did this. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a great idea to do the free thing or complimentary because then you don't feel as bad. At least you wasted their time and that's about it. Yeah, exactly. And, and you learned something from it. Yeah. What were you yeah, going to say, yeah, Mike? No one's going to come looking like, yo, I need my money back or something with that. Well, now for your story. Yes. You owe us money for the time you wasted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, another time that was absolutely tragic. So this is uh this is a few months past the vortex. We're better, we're doing cooler stuff. Um, one of our photography friends, his one of his really good friends was getting engaged, and he wanted us to do the photography for their engagement party. 
So we had to shoot. That was that night. We had to shoot that afternoon. It was raining that day. The Nikon said it was weather sealed. We're like, we're fine. We're shooting in the rain. Everything was good during the shoot. We get to the nighttime shoot. The Nikon is waterlogged. You can't see through the viewfinder. You can't take, you can take photos. You just couldn't see anything. And then when we looked at the photos later, there's this huge, like over 60% of the frame was just like a big water drop. Like just over every picture. It was absolutely garbage. We And, and then it's not like we could go back and redo the shoot. Of course, yeah. Was so, that the, the end of that camera? That was the end of it. That's when, right. that's when we switched to our Sony camera. But um, yeah, no, they are their engagement party. They never got any photos from it, and we uh, we sent them their money back. We we're just like, hey guys, oh, wow. technical difficulties. Yeah, um, here's your money back. We deeply apologize. It was That's rough. It was horrible. That was our. That was the first time on a paid shoot, and only, yeah. only it's only happened twice where we sent people their money back. But well, um, so it sounded like that first time with the free one for Vortex, you learned that you're quality wasn't that great or wasn't as great as you thought it was what did you learn with this one do you think the engagement party well don't be um, cocky about the water i guess so even <laughs> honestly even if the um rain hadn't happened we wouldn't have been able to do that shoot um it was in a very dark place our nikon had no low light capabilities mm-hmm. we hadn't introduced flash photography into our port into like our skill set yet so like if it wasn't lit up we just couldn't do it so we were never going to actually be able to do that shoot on that day. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing we learned from that is stay in our lane. This was an engagement <laughs> shoot or for a wedding. So I yeah. can't it was either wedding celebration or engagement celebration. And we just realized that's not the kind of industry that we want to be in. Because if we mess up food, yeah. we can go back to the restaurant and that's mm-hmm. fine. But when you mess up a moment like that, you can't get it back. Yeah. Can't get it back. So I think we learned to just do what we're really good at and stay, stay in our lane. Yeah. And I think it was a big um, moment for us to know, like we had to up like the, our technical capabilities with gear. Like we needed to figure out how to add light. Like that was our first (laughs) moment. We're like, all right, we can't just, um only shoot when it's perfect lighting yeah. conditions because most of the shoots aren't going to be like that <laughs> i just remember at that shoot we were halfway through we sat down to get some food i've never seen mike so down on himself he's like he's like i don't know what to do like we're not gonna get any photos so we said we brought out my phone for the second half of the night <laughs> And we just tried to get po- photos on my phone, and those didn't even turn out well. It was, yeah. it was awful. So prep, maybe some preparation uh, lessons from that as well, just to make sure you didn't didn't forget. Do you think either one of those was maybe the most costly or most expensive lesson you learned, or do you think you have another one? You said there was two times you had to give the money back. What was the other? Uh, uh, there's there's another time later down the road, um, much more expensive project where we didn't align with them in terms like i just i just don't think it was a great fit between us and them in Mm -hmm. in terms of just from creative direction all that stuff so they didn't really have a a direction they wanted to go in and they wanted us to figure it out but we i i just don't think we had the vision to do it for them like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of clients where they'll be like hey we we just want something cool or something you know great and yeah. we can we provide that for them, but like there are some clients where 
like just our create like what we find great creatively is not what they'll find great creatively yeah and yeah. for this one it was a kid's coloring book so again we were kind of out of our lane yeah and so mm-hmm. you know, we learned it a second time and we've never yeah, yeah the guys who shoot food and alcohol <laughs> shooting <laughs> a, a kid's colored book yeah it was probably not the smartest idea for exactly. us to take that project yeah, but a lot of times you don't know until you try, or or sometimes you don't know until you try too many times at the same thing. Exactly. Because uh, I know I, I don't I haven't really talked about it much here, but part of the whole failure guy thing is because uh, I'm on my sixth job in corporate America, and I've been fired from the other five, uh, all of them. So, and I didn't really realize that because you know corporate America can like either you oh you resigned or they forced you to resign or whatever like and then you never have to talk about it to anybody because they don't say anything. So you can kind of forget about it. And then after five times, it's like, wow, I've been actually was fired. You know, I didn't even think about it. So I was like, oh, I'll be the number one failure. I'll be the best, worst, (laughs) whatever person, or at least there's so much competition for the best and there's little competition for the worst. So I thought it'd be funny. And if I got some sort of success through that, it'd be the funniest way for me to do it by embracing failure. But I do think for success, it's a requirement that you have failure unless you're like incredibly lucky, uh, most famous people or successful people have had a lot of failure. You just don't necessarily see it because you see them once they've already, uh, you know, surpassed a lot of that. And so that's what we're hoping to bring out with the podcast is at least trying to figure out are there ways that we can kind of vicariously experience it through each each other. So we don't have to learn those lessons the hardest way or the, you know, the most um, emotionally taxing way. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things too is, you know, I think failure's great because people who don't like failure, they try so hard to avoid failure. So they just don't do anything that they could possibly fail at. And I know for Mike and I, a lot of times where we got complacent or where we stopped growing in our business in the early stages was when we were successful. We're like, oh, we just signed three clients, <laughs> man. We don't have to do shit anymore. Like, I just coast. Man, yeah, yeah. And just like coasted. But it was those times where Mike and I met at Starbucks. I was like, yo, dude, we got three months to make money or I have to do something else. And it was at that point where we just started growing ever since then, you know, and we're not anywhere close where we want to be. But, you know, we've grown so much that um, a lot of that's because of the failure. And um, that's that's really where you see where you're about to. Like it's easy to be successful and get a lot of clients and be growing social media and things like that. But what happens when you lose a client or you think like, we just thought we were going to get the biggest, the job we just were about to get last week was going to be higher dollar amount wise than any other month we've ever had in our business. Oh, wow. And so we're like, we just were we were, we were excited, blah blah blah. Monday rolled around. Yesterday, like, yeah, yesterday they were like, "Hey, the project changed, so we can't actually go through with this." We're like, yeah, but then we we like we didn't just get down. Like, I like to give myself five minutes. You feel that for five minutes, like, oh man, this sucks. Oh, I hate this company for getting our hopes up because they reached out to us. They're like, yeah. hey, we got this project going to be X amount of dollars. Have it for you guys. Blah blah blah. And, you know, today we just went out and grinded and we're doing sales and we got a thousand dollar project today, hopefully from 
you know, one of our old contacts. So it's nice. just like never getting caught up in. Yeah, I think that that's probably one of my well, one I'd I'd say is one of my superpowers is to continuously have low expectations because yeah. I hate being upset about not getting the thing. So I'm not thinking I got the thing until I got the thing. You know, yeah, I'm not yeah. I'm not at all. I'm not not even a little bit. I might have some high hopes, but my expectations. I don't know if you guys watched Mad TV back in the day, but there was that uh, dating one where it's like lowered expectations and it. Lowered yeah. expectations, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Exactly. And I always think of that about that when it comes to like anything, because the moment you think you got it, like you just said, the thousand dollar thing you have, you you don't have it yet, so yeah, you might exactly. be upset when it yeah. if it doesn't. So yeah. I try to do that, but it's also hard because you want to at the same time have high goals and high hopes. So exactly. it's a battle mentally to not already put yourself there while still wanting, you know, that kind of thing. It really is, and we've learned, man. Within 24 hours, if you if you don't got if there's no significant progress in terms of setting out a proposal or a contract, it's it's dying. It's dying. Yeah. So we get excited for about 12 hours. Then after 12 hours, we're like, oh shit. Yeah. Like Mike, don't even say anything about it. Don't jinx it. Don't talk about it. Exactly. Um, (laughs) So many deals I haven't talked to my friends or mom about because I'm just like. It's too soon, man. Yeah, I can't yeah. put this in the universe yet. And then it didn't go through. And so it's like in a pregnancy, you don't talk about the baby. It's the same kind of thing. You don't want to exactly. until the doctor slaps the ass of that project. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, then there's a there's a weird there's there's a weird connection through success and failure, I've noticed too, where a lot of times you'll have that initial success. And I'm not even talking about like big things. It could be big things, but it could just be um, like, let's say you're out with your friends um, at a bar doing darts, right? And you throw, you're just messing around and you throw a freaking bullseye on the first one. A lot of times people are going to be hesitant to throw another dart after that because yeah. they're going to be like, I can't replicate that. That was a hundred percent luck. Like I'm why undefeated. would, yeah, everything's going to be worse after that. And I, and I felt that, uh, multiple times like I'll do something good or, or find you know success in like this initial action and then I'm like I don't think I can do that again like like I don't know if I can replicate that yeah, inspiration it, striking twice kind of thing yeah exactly so so I think um that's one thing also I think because when you're talking about people potentially learning vicariously through these stories yeah. is like you gotta force yourself even when you're feeling like I can't replicate what I just did, or I don't want to, I don't want to, or sometimes it's like you did something in front of people, they congratulated you and all this stuff. And you're like, Oh, if I fuck up the next one, <laughs> they're going to be like, Oh wait, we shouldn't have congratulated yeah. this person. They should go out, on, go out on a high note kind of thing. Exactly. exactly. And yeah, it, business, you, you can't, you cannot think like that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting because, at the same time, most people have kind of an imposter syndrome thing where they don't think that they're good enough. But then once they get assigned, they're good enough. They're like, oh, never mind. I'm good. <laughs> and it's like either one or the other. You either like have no um, confidence in what you're doing. Or once you get a little bit of that, you know, yeah. that dopamine hit from some success, then you think, oh, well, now they're finally realizing I'm brilliant. And, uh, and you skip over the middle ground yeah. kind of thing. Yeah uh it, unless there's something else you guys have historically i'm going to move forward to the last couple of questions which are more forward looking yeah. um, cool so this is my first time giving out two because i've only had one guest before but you guys each get 
a get out of fail free card right now that you can use. And what you're going to be able to do with that is any kind of a hobby or a passion or an interest that you've had, but you've never wanted to do it because you think you might suck at it or you might fail a lot at it, like acting or stand up or whatever the thing might be. Is there something you would use that card for in order to pursue it if there's something you knew you couldn't fail at? Whoever wants to go first is fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think for me, it's playing the guitar and singing. I've always wanted to do that. My mom has her master's degree in piano, and so she's brilliant on the piano. She could sing really well. My dad tried to teach me bass. Um, my mom was three piano lessons in, and she gave up on me forever. She was just like, <laughs> hey, son, just you're, this is not for you. She, tried, she hit a note on the piano, and she'd say, match this with your voice. And she almost Peter Pan's laughing. <laughs> so hard at how awful i was at singing and that's one of those things i always wish i was really good at is like playing the guitar or the piano and singing but well so first of all i imagine her reaction there probably made you feel like you didn't you didn't have that ability you know probably instilled in your mind that there's that you're not a singer but But it it wasn't one of those like she was shaming me oh yeah yeah of course we were both like damn this is bad you know <laughs> yeah or it's just the realization even yeah but the other thing is like i play guitar and i play bass and i've played for a while but another thing is once you learn how to play getting up in front of people is like impossible so you got to do that whole thing too which yeah. is not even be able to play well but then especially if you're making your own music is go pr- show that to people and yeah. hope, hope they don't hate it you know it's a which is another different hurdle than even just getting good at it but uh but maybe you should give it a shot or you think you're toast there's no way oh dude i i would rather spend my the time guitar, doing other things yeah that's true <laughs> you can still learn the guitar man it might yeah. be too late for singing. without a voice you can still play guitar i mean you don't need you just need finger fingers and stuff yeah yeah i mean maybe could, one but- day Maybe yeah. one day. Who knows? Well, it's good to know you'd use your, your card on that. What do you think about you, Mike? Uh, I would say Mike's, I'll answer for him, <laughs> basketball. She was good at basketball. <laughs> oh, man. I sense a little rivalry there. Uh, I've been carrying him on the court for the past few weeks, man. Yeah, a few weeks because I did it for years. <laughs> um, I would do, I, it would be acting, man. Yeah. Acting. Um. I always loved acting. I did some theater in college and stuff, uh, but you know, never took that step to really, even not even just like you know pursue it, like you know, like try to be an actor, but just even really learn it um, in a very if you're chosen kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I, um, you know, like when I was in college, I would rely on like natural talent, and you know, it was good enough for like you know college theater, mm-hmm. but. Um, I think there's always a part of me that was like, you know, maybe I won't be that good at it. And so I was like, if I don't actually try that much, you don't have to face that fact. Exactly. You still could have been a star or whatever. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people do avoid things for that reason. Uh, but I'm assuming, I mean, you can even start now. Uh, I think I forget who it was. Um, I was reading about some actor recently who started in his thirties, someone who's really famous and, and like important. I'm not yeah, going to get the name. There's a couple that started at like 47 or something. So. Yeah. It's crazy. So you could start now and maybe you're not that bad. What do you think you'd be the worst at remembering your lines and stuff or what would be the, what was, what's was the struggle? Oh, the lines are fine. Remembering the lines is fine. I think that, um, 
I think I think the main thing I would be focusing on is just there's there's so many many nuances to it. Like you think it's just there, like saying your lines, trying to be happy or sad or whatever. But there's so much nuance to it when it comes to your facial expressions, your um, body language, all these different things. So kind of just really understanding that instead of just like being like, oh, this is what I'd do if I was happy or this is what I'd do if I was sad kind of thing. But like knowing why I'm doing it and what it's so kind of like that technical knowledge. Yeah, I, I can only imagine it's so hard because uh, I think the script part would be very difficult to remember. But then also on top of that, to inject a bunch of personality and, and do well at the same time while while cameras and stuff are on you. It's like so much uh, stress and stuff. So I imagine were you were you thinking more like plays or like movies? Um, So I haven't done any movie stuff like I, I honestly would do both. I love mm -hmm. doing plays because you're out there you're in front of hundreds or more people. Yeah. And you don't get any retakes. You're just kind of, you just, this yeah, is it. <laughs> it's gone once you're done kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like everybody, like, you know, you, you got your other fellow actors there, so they got to be on point and you got to be on point for each other. But then you feel the energy of the crowd that's watching you, like as you go through your lines or if you have a monologue as you bring them through the emotions you're supposed to bring them through. And I mean, that's an amazing feeling. Yeah, that sounds really cool. So my, my only last question I have is what is the next big thing that you guys are hoping to fail at? What's the next big in endeavor you're going to uh, go on? It's right here, man. It's right here. Oh, it's on the hat. Yeah. Oh, I see here. a camera spring. That's spring. our logo right there. Bros, man. Oh, that's a cork. Oh, no, it's a cork. I get it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a cork brim hat too, but, um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So we, uh, that's the uh okay yep that makes sense yep yep so so we um we just ordered a bunch of samples of like hoodies um some shirts mm -hmm. um women's shirts men's shirts what else we get we got some just swag masks hats phone cases yeah accessories so, cool. so apparel is a big thing but not just like putting our logo on stuff but actually having like some really cool designs so we're speaking to a designer waiting to get the um first sketches back from him mm -hmm. to like have an actual like fashion brand of clothes nice yeah so that's that's like our next big thing that we're still keep, keeping kind of under wraps um until at least we get some mock-ups and things like that but yeah no we want to we want to take that by storm have something that people will want to wear like it's like a piece mm -hmm. of the closet where you're like yeah. i want to look nice today i mean what what are you guys doing to make sure that this isn't the next uh, kids coloring book or uh, sloppy hamburger marble day? Yeah, definitely. something we, that, that makes you more confident in this. I mean, yeah, one thing we're doing is we have a purpose behind it. So we've been really working on building our brand and we've built kind of like a following mm -hmm. and, you know, we always say like dog diggities or cork fam, different things like this. And people are really starting to buy into the brand and the story. And we want to create clothing that makes you feel like a top end content creator in your nice. head. And so, you know, we actually have a vision, a purpose, uh, like a strategy to go forth with this as before we were just kind of like just walking through the wilderness laws. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we actually have like a vision and a strategy this time. So That's good. 
And I certainly didn't mean to say it was going to go like those other ones. I'm sure it's going to be great. I love, I love the logo, by the way. Are you going to put that on a lot of it? Or is it going to be more of the slogans and stuff? Um, so there's going to be quite a few different pieces that'll have like the logo and different things on it um, with different color designs and other, other types of things to spruce it up. But then there's also going to be a line where that's the one we're working with the designer on where it's not necessarily going to have a logo on it and you won't really be wearing it because you're like, Oh, I want to support Clark bros. Mm-hmm. But you're wearing it because you're like, this is the best shirt I have. Yeah. Life. I want to go and look nice today. Different things like that. So we're going to have like kind of two lines going. The one it's like, you know, really branded and one it's like, yeah, this, it just more style. Yeah. It's real stylish. Yeah. Okay, uh, uh, wine bottle opener. Yeah. Oh maybe. yeah, no, we need a wine bottle. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Or maybe have the camera at the top and you can screw it in, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so where can uh, where can the listeners go ahead and find you if they're if they want to see what you're up to these days? Definitely, corkbrosstudios.com. Uh, That's C O R K B R O S. At the Cork Bros on Instagram. So Mike and I are the Cork Bros, the co-founders of Cork Bros Studios. Hit us up on social media. That's the best way to see kind of what we're doing. Um, interact with us, engage. We're always creating fun content and uh, showing the people who show us love, love right back. Awesome. Well, I thank you guys for, for being on the show and being a little vulnerable and sharing some of the, the harder times. Absolutely. And uh, and I hope everything goes well with uh, with everything you're doing. Of course. Thank you for having us. This is a fun time. Oh, yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time. <laughs>